0: Danny, what's going on, my man? How's it going, Mike? Very good, my friend. Thanks for coming on. Uh,
1: uh, before we start, I just want to say thank you for, especially nowadays during a crazy situation, uh, what you've been doing for New York, which is one of the um, cities that's hit the hardest by the pandemic. So um, just thank you, and uh, I want to get that out there before we start.
0: Wow, man. I really appreciate that, man. Thank you.
1: Uh, no problem, man. Uh, I'm assuming that we'll probably be sharing this so think Alice should be thanking you for coming on the podcast as well <laughs> well let me do the quick introduction because I'm here in New york
0: City and I'm just starving for any type of sports any type of live sports I can't keep watching the 1988 world Series so I see that right. the c uh Pbl the Chinese professional baseball league is starting up I tweet about it yes and the magic of yes. Twitter somehow put us on each other's radar, so we've been messaging right. about the league and stuff. So I'm glad you finally came on. We'll talk some baseball, some Yankees, uh, maybe some University yes. of Texas stuff. Sound good? Right. That's that's down down my wheelhouse. So let's get some background stuff on you. I know you're a Longhorn. You attend the University of Texas, right?
1: Right. right.
0: Yes. Where'd you grow up, though?
1: Um. So it's my it's a crazy story. So um my first 9 years i uh i was living in taiwan mm-hmm. um the that's the, where my parents were from my sister is from uh and uh um when i was in third grade my parents decided to move to beijing uh because my job my dad got a job offer there it was when china was about to rise up and expand its economy mm-hmm. uh and uh we uh we were fortunate enough to to enroll in an in international school where um, for 10 years I was learning English and I was learning, the, you know, all this, the crazy stuff and all the, all the stuff that, that was happening, but in English. And um, when I, when I was applying to school, I was applying to attend, I just applied to a lot of different schools and I picked UT. So um, it's, is, you know, for, you know, what our school used to call us, we were third culture kids. and. Uh, people ask us that question where where are we from we can't really come up with the, with the answer I can't <laughs> tell you though I do I, mean, I, I was I was raised in Taiwan and I lived a, a, a bulk of my life I was living in Beijing so you, um, and obviously I'm
0: yeah so you studied English what made uh Austin Texas the University of Texas stand out because out of the schools in America that's not a huge huge listen that's a monster school but internationally I don't know if that's a big hub so what made you want to go to Texas well, yeah. So,
1: um, a lot of my friends in high school, they, they went to California or uh, well, they, they were looking to go to California, uh, the likes of Stanford, Berkeley, UCLA on the, on the East coast as well. So New York, obviously have Columbia NYU and, uh, uh, Boston has a, a lot of great schools as well. Um, but, um, when I look at this, well, first of all, I'm not good enough for Berkeley and, Stanford <laughs> and uh, uh, NYU or, uh, uh Columbia. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, so I was looking through the stats, you know, like the, the, profile, the profile, and I was like, why would I spend, what would I make my parents spend so much money for a place where it's like 10% Asians or a lot of people, or I can get to meet a lot of people that I already meet in, in Taiwan and China. So um, Texas was an, uh, especially Austin was a very attractive spot for, for me in particular, because I get to meet a lot of people that I don't, I wouldn't meet in LA or New York, um, and also Austin is this, this kind of booming city that's not you know your stereotypical um, the wild wild west anymore and uh, I thought uh, we thought it was a great school my parents uh, they majored in physics in university uh, and UT Austin had a great physics program uh, and science program and engineering program and so that word though that kind of reputation made it here obviously I'm not studying that but they approved uh, UT and, and uh, I ended up there and I loved it. And I'm loving it. What's your major there? So, yeah. So, um, I'm in radio, television and film right now. Um, but, uh, I'm also in this other major called the plan Two. uh, it's a liberal arts program, uh, that, um, uh, pretty much, uh, is a BS program. I can say, actually, I shouldn't say that, but you know, like it's, <laughs> it's, it's a program that, that, uh, it's, it's very small is, is, is kind of an honors program, but it's also a major. So, um, Nobody really knows what it is, but, you know, you learn all these kind of philosophy and literature, and we're learning math and physics right now, but through a different lens. So it gives us a – theoretically, it should give us a uh, uh, another perspective to see all these different things happening.
0: And also, tell me about your podcast. I know you have – I listened to a couple episodes. You have a really cool podcast, and we're going to get to some of the things you do, top 10 Yankees, top 10 moments of the decade. So tell me about your podcast, plug it, and how can we listen to it?
1: Yeah, so um, the the podcast is called Rants with Danny G. Uh, uh So I should give credits to Thomas Fish, a, a friend of mine at Texas. Uh, we met each other at Tex- Texas Student Television, which I'm currently a sports director of um, at. Um, and he started this website called the 1-0 Sports because you know how coaches always say, we just want to go 1-0 today, we want to go 1-0 tomorrow and stuff like that. It's a very cliche thing to say. Mm-hmm. And uh, he started this thing called 1-0 Sports. It was just a website for... Um, people to put their blogs or podcasts on to give us reps, to give us um, practice. And I, I just went, and all Thomas also started a podcast way before. And I just kind of saw him and I was like, what's the way, you know, how do I copy his success? And a simple way to do is just go into um, a studio, podcast studio that UT has in the Communications College. Um, and uh, I just went in there. I just go in there every week and kind of just talk um, for about, I always try to talk for less than twenty minutes, but I always end up staying there for an hour. <laughs> and I, and because I'm I'm lazy, so um I don't really do too much sound editing because I want to be at obviously what what I tell people is I want to be raw. I don't want to do too much processing, but also I'm just lazy, so uh, <laughs> I just put it on. I just I just put it on, and and uh, I don't you know it's not like I'm expecting thousands and thousands of people to to hear it, uh, but at the end of the day those whatever it's on there is uh, what I think about uh, um, sports um, topics that I watch. We talk a a lot about Texas sports is one of the, you know, Texas is one of the premier athletic departments in the U S college collegiate wise. And uh, the ability to cover the teams um, at such a, you know, so close to them um, is really an opportunity that, you know, I didn't envision when I, when I applied to UT, but anyways, and um, that's, you know, we talk about Texas football, basketball, baseball, uh, and I'm a Yankee fan, I'm a baseball fan, so uh, we try to do uh, a non-Texas topic as well. So, at the end of the day, yeah, that's basically my podcast.
0: And now, Danny, give me your three big gets If you can get three guests from any walk of life, what three guys would you want on your show?
1: Oh, I will get you first. Yeah, right. Um, which is <laughs> bucket, one of the bucket lists. Yeah. Um, uh, so, see, so I was—I started watching Yankee baseball, baseball in general, but all, uh, definitely Yankee baseball in 2007 here okay. in Taiwan when Cheming Wong was the ace. Of, of course, a- 19 and, wins,
0: two years in a row.
1: Right, exactly, and I—I uh, uh, I fell in love with A Rod, and obviously, a couple of years later, he didn't do so well. But mm-hmm. um, now, knowing that you know he's—he has a—he has a, a really successful corporation under his belt, and he's really good at um, articulating uh, what he thinks, especially on Fox sports and, uh, all ESPN and all of that. So, um, I think as putting him on the show would be a dream come true. Um, it, I mean, it's a long list, um, just for, just because I'm in Austin and all 10 of my uh, listeners are probably from the Houston or Dallas or Austin area. Um, I, I would, uh, oof, I would, so, okay. So the Texas women's basketball program, just, uh, Hired a new coach okay. uh, called Vic Schaefer, mm-hmm. so I would get him because um, I've been following women's basketball since I'm a freshman year, collegiate-wise, especially for Texas. So it'll be interesting to see uh, to hear from him and um, get uh, you know see what he thinks about the program.
0: Well, that's actually a good guess. Okay, so a A Rod, Texas, and now what yeah. about Vince Young or uh, Kevin Durant? Those guys are gods down there, aren't they?
1: Yeah, that's true, but at the same time, uh, you know, the fact that I moved to Austin in 2017, and I'm not so much of a his- historian, so I don't. I, I only go back and watch as you know games that I really need to watch. So mm-hmm. I, I obviously I watched the, the the 2005 Rose Bowl. Obviously, I watched the uh, the Texas A&M game in 2011, um, but it's not like I'll be watching every single game or reading every article. So. I'm not the guy who you would go to to find stuff to, to know stuff that I haven't been watching before. So you know not you know what I'm saying so. Of course. I, I'm, I don't I can't tell you anything about the 2012 Texas lawns. So um, on that front, I I mean I understand Vince Young's greatness. Obviously we talk about it all the time, uh, but n- not being able to witness it, which is a, one thing that I really regret. You know, it's it, nothing I could have done. But you know, not not being able to re, um, to witness Vince Young's greatness uh in 2005 um that you know i mean it, w- it would be great for him to come on but i just never witnessed his greatness um same as kevin durant i mean i i mean the 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 first memories of kevin durant in my mind is in okc it's not at texas mean um, i did not go to texas for its athletic program um which a lot, i know a lot of people do but um at the end of the day i didn't start watching ncaa anything until i got to the u.s no. so um yeah, go
0: ahead. No, I was going to ask you, my next question was to be, how did you become a Yankee fan? But I guess Chiming Wong answered that question, right?
1: Yeah, that that, that, that was the sole reason. And, um, the you know, the one thing that kind of surprised myself and my parents a lot as well, uh, when Chiming Wong got injured in 2008 and never, you know, became that same starter in 2009 and left in 2010. uh Uh, I think a a majority of fans in Taiwan moved over to the national when Huang signed with them. Um, It turned out I didn't, I just stayed with the Yankees. Um, It also doesn't, it doesn't hurt that the Yankees are literally the biggest brand in baseball and probably in the United States. Mm -hmm. So um, it doesn't, I mean, the fact that, uh, you know, they bring so much audience in general, um, Taiwanese, we only have a couple of sports TV stations here. So they pick up those games, the Yankee games a lot. Um, so, I was able to follow them until the internet kicked in. And when internet started and I was able to uh, use the internet extensively, I just followed the Yankees.
0: You, you know, people forget that Chiming Wong, he was uh, 26, it was 19 and 6. And then when he was 27 years old, he was 19 and 7. He had back to back 19 win seasons yeah. under four ERA. Then yeah. he gets hurt. Is he a god? Can he walk on water out there in Taiwan? Is he like the king out there?
1: <laughs> um. In the baseball world, definitely. Okay. Uh, um, I think so. I, I I think so. I was about maybe five or six when Jemming Wong was really good. That's probably like the lowest age you're gonna remember anything. Okay. So I could be the the, the youngest ever, uh, the youngest group of people in Taiwan that witnessed Jemming Wong and his in his greatness uh, in 2006 around 2007. I, I mean, if you ask anybody younger than myself, they're gonna know who he is. Mm-hmm. They're gonna they're they're gonna especially if they're a baseball fan, they're gonna know Cheming Wong. But um uh but yeah, no, in baseball in the baseball world he's the only basically Yankee uh, he's the only Taiwanese pitcher that has very well very good success there. He's the only major league player that had really, really good success there. And for the Yankees for God's sake. So um yeah, I I think he he is a god, but he, he is god, but like at the end of the day he was there for two years and obviously um Uh, The way he fought back, though, I think was more of a great story than, you know, how how much uh, people were into the Yankee baseball in 2006, 2007.
0: How is it being a Yankee fan down there in the land of the cheaters? uh, Those fans embarrassed. Are they embarrassed by the sign stealing, the garbage pail banging, the wearing of the buzzers? Is it talked about a lot down there?
1: Yeah. So, see, I, I made an episode on my on my on my podcast about two months ago, maybe, maybe a little bit earlier than that. Uh, so I had uh, three because I know obviously I know a lot of people from Houston as well. Uh, I just had three Astros. Um, I was just talking. I was like, "What do you think? What do you feel?" Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you got some Twitter trolls online, but they're not like they know. They know that the Astros have done this, and obviously, they they they're not you know they're not super they're not happy about it. They're not the biggest fan of it. Um, but I think at the end of the day, they do know uh, that. Uh, they they do they do realize that w- what was happening in 2017. But at the same time, um, they they made a great point. You know, they're I mean MLB is probably not gonna take the title away. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if they do, you know the, the 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 fact that you know one of the one of the reasons that Houston loved that championship so much was because of Kirk and Harvey that hit that July that that August. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're not gonna take that joy, you know kind of re- as a redemption or as a way to defeat, you know, crisis away during that time, especially that happiness over, over there. At the, at the end of the day, they got their t-shirts, they got their hats, Um which I know as a Yankee fan, I mean, as a Yankee fan, I'm like, obviously, that's not the best way to deal with it. That's not like, you know, as a Yankee fan, I want them, I don't want any Eshola's fan to celebrate the 2017 championship but they had and they have, and um, you're not going to go back and make uh, the Astros and make the Yankees and Dodgers play in the 2017 World Series. Um, so I think on that front, I think um, obviously MLB's punishment isn't as um, tough as people wanted, especially us as Yankee fans. But like, I don't think much more can be done
0: to make us feel better. See, I agree 100%. When people tell me, I guess it's maybe, you know, Danny, maybe it's the arrogant Sabini Yankee fan. I'm like, listen. They won, no matter what. If they take the title away tomorrow, like I'm a huge college college basketball guy, I love Kentucky. They took Louisville's title title away, but it doesn't affect the way that I was flipping out. I was so mad when they won it that Louisville fans celebrated. Okay, they take the title down; it means nothing. I like the fact that they know that they're cheated. So for me, deep down, I'm like, ah, eh, they know they didn't earn it. But that celebration meant everything yeah. to them. There's nothing we can do, you know. And now, listen, we signed Cole judging these these guys right. getting healthy, how excited are you if we ever have a season? How excited are you for coming up?
1: See, okay, so I want to bring up Garrett Cole because what a PR move that was, right? Like, Oof. if he were... If he's signing with the Dodgers... Like, just assume for, you know, Garrett Cole's signing with the Dodgers. He will never hear the end of it from Yankee fans. Ever. Mm-hmm. About the about the scandal. But the fact that he went to the Yankees, the fans kind of gave him a way out um, about all this... because. I mean, I understand like there there wasn't evidence about these Astros cheating 2018-2019, But if, if you're thinking logically, mm-hmm. why would they stop twenty nineteen if they if, you know if it worked? So I'm like I'm not gonna go out there and say Gary Cole ne- knows nothing about it, but he he you know he wasn't he was never criticized by Yankee fans, especially in the last couple months because he signed Yankees. So I just want to bring that up first. But I mean, um. I'm I'm more of a guy that like I love the twenty seventeen season because the expectations were low mm-hmm. and you like I mean, obviously you my my minimum expectations for the Yankees because of how much money we're spending is to finish about five hundred. Um if and, and in any circumstances, like under any cycle. So I was happy in the last ten years because you know you're not gonna compete with Lyle Overbay and Vernon Wells in twenty fourteen. But in 2017, I was happy because you didn't. Nobody expected the Yankees to be in a, to be in an ALCS game seven. Um, but the, you know, 2019, 2018, 2019, 2020. The expectations are high, especially with Garrett Cole this year. Um, and so, I, I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm cautiously excited um, because at the end of the day, Tanoc, uh, Severino Severino's still hurt. Am I am I wrong on that? Paxton is hurt. The starting. I mean, yes, you added the ace but the depth is slowly disappearing before your eyes for the first couple of months, or supposedly the first couple of months. Um, hopefully when the season comes back, a lot of the pieces will, a lot of the uh, pitchers' starting rotation pitch pieces will be coming back. But, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, if the if expectations is the world championship, I'm telling you, just, even just, even if every team is evenly uh, matched, you go, you only got a 1 in 30 chance of winning. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, that's that's not how I normally think. So I'm not like the guy who would tell you we're we're gonna win the championship.
0: Now, first of all, you, you know what's crazy? You're an, a normal Yankee fan. That's not normal. You know, Danny, you're up here. If they don't go 162 and 0, if they lose Game Four, they're call, Game Four of the regular season. They're calling WFAM and ESPN Radio screaming. So you being a sensible Yankee fan is kind of weird up here. Just so you know that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've been watching the Michael K. show um, whenever I could. When they would, whenever whenever they upload to YouTube. Um, especially on the Astro stuff. I think the, the yes, no, uh, I mean, at least the high vocational really has trying to been, has been trying to talk o- about it again and again and again. Um, but again, I get the, the history, the, the everything at the end of the day, the last 10 years, the Yankees hadn't won any, mm-hmm. and we spent more than, which probably, probably the Dodgers are the only thing that outspent spent the game and we, that got us nothing nothing um and so i and i started watching 2008 2007 so in my lifetime the Yankees only had one one rather than the you know the four out of the five in the ninth the late 90s yes so, when i was growing up that, that's
0: when i was like a teenager that was the greatest five ten year run ever man every year we were in the world series
1: yeah yeah and that i mean i and so like if i had witnessed that as a kid i probably would expect more but, again, the first five, the first year I watched the Yankees, it was 2008, like extensively watching the Yankees, and I was watching every single game. And th- that was the first year that they didn't make the playoffs in, like, 15 years or, or something along those lines. So, um, I, I mean, I, I guess I have my rea- um, expect, expectations calibrated in a right way.
0: Well, right now there's no MLB, but there is the CB, CPBL. So, listen, right. so let's talk about this. The Chinese Professional Baseball League—they're doing a good job, by the way. On Twitter, putting clips out there, like people are just yearning for any kind of sports. So there's only five yeah.
1: teams in five teams in the league, right? So there's four league. There are four teams in the league mm-hmm. right now. Um, there are the fifth one is coming up. It's an expansion team, um, but obviously they, they don't want to. The league doesn't want the fifteen to get their ass kicked or their butt. Kicked. I don't know if this, if that like if you allow those. Nine-
0: yeah, you can say. Yeah, kick. you can say whatever you want. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, they, they they don't want to get their butt kicked by you know Henry Sosa that you saw yesterday or mm-hmm. a couple days ago. You know, um. So, uh, they're gonna play in the minor league level. So there are two levels in ba- in county baseball. There is the major league level, so this is and then the secondary level. Which they normally call it the minors, but obviously it's also owned by the CPBL and the CPBL teams. So they're going to play in the second, uh, secondary level, the minor league level this year. Next year they're going to come up to the major league level, the level, the 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 primary level, the premier league level, whatever you call it. So this year there's four. Next year there will be five, and hopefully we'll have five, at least five for a considerable future.
0: Now were you always a fan of this league, or were you just kind of oh hey let me watch it? Like growing up in Taiwan and even in Beijing, did you watch this league a lot?
1: Um, so, uh, in, so I was part of, uh, I actually attended one of the baseball summer camps of a former, former team of the Rakuten monkeys right now. They, they were called the new bears. Uh, I was, um, I, I went to that summer camp. So whenever I come back, so there's no baseball in China, like the mainland China part, There's mm-hmm. no, there's no baseball whatsoever. So it's really hard to keep up with the teams when we were in Beijing, but whenever we come back in the summer, uh, when I turn on the TV, uh, I would be, you know, kind of rooting for the the, the bears, and it would it would have it would become the monkeys, the Lamigo monkeys, and it would become the raccoon monkeys today. Um, but yeah, I'll be slightly rooting for the raccoon monkeys. But um, I kind of I probably know about ten of the players now I probably used to know about 30% of the players maybe 40% just because I follow the national team a lot more it's easier to follow the national team mm-hmm. and the the, the 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 league is the bedrock of the national team so I probably know about 10% of the players now I'll be surprised if I know more um so yeah
0: so there's the brothers, the guardians, the monkeys, and the Seven Eleven Lions.
1: Who are the Yankees?
0: Who yeah. There, who's the best team that everyone's like? Okay, like the Manchester United, the New York Yankees, the Patriots. Who's the number one team out there?
1: Uh, so, in, in terms of spending, it would have been the guardians. I think the guardians spend a lot of money. They have on ta- on paper they have the most talent, but the Rakuten Monkeys, which was the Lamigo Monkeys until this year, um, they had been winning a lot lately, um, and that is. Not because they spend the most, they probably, they have probably the smallest budget as a whole team, including the advertisement, the marketing, all of that. They probably have, they had the smallest budget because their, uh, their mother corporation or their owner is just a uh, domestic corporation that sells shoes. Um, so uh, you look at the Fubon, uh, the China Trust, the Uni, they're, they're, they're in invest, they're in marketing, they're in uh, banking, they're in, uh, 7-Eleven is a huge deal in Taiwan. So they had the smallest uh, budget, but they went a lot because they're the most innovative team, their the most creative team. They had to find a way to break even on the financial ground. And so that allows them, obviously, to care more about the team. And they probably built a, a most co- cohesive team out there. Um, but, yeah, so on the on the competitive side, the Raccoon Monkeys are, will probably be your Yankees, your, your Patriots. But on the spending side, uh, the Guardians probably spent the most.
0: Now you're you're down there in Texas. There's fifty thousand, a hundred thousand people at these games. Is it weird watching a game with no fans or seeing the cardboard cutouts of the fans? Is it weird? Does it give it like a exhibition spring training atmosphere? How is it watching? Because I'm watching and I'm like, I'm just happy there's baseball. But is it weird there with fans of you know fans of this league in Taiwan being like, oh my god, there's no fans in the crowd.
1: Um. So, um. So the CPPL they don't fill up the stadium. Oh, okay, uh, okay. Yeah, they, it's. I mean, obviously during championships and during the playoffs they do, um, but um, on a, any on any given night, there, there's probably sixty. The stadium's probably sixty percent full. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think that's that's gonna be, that's an optimistic guess. Uh, but I would say this though, um, you've been here. I mean, you obviously hear a lot of the background music, uh, the cheerleading, uh, yeah, yeah, even yeah. there <laughs> even even though there are no fans there. I would, if you really want to see what a real CTPL game feels like, um, just YouTube it, Google it. You can, you know, find like uh, Google, you know, a, a great ta- a great Taiwan series will be twenty sixteen, and just, you know, just kind of just watch the at bat. You know, you, you don't have to follow, you don't have to follow the pitch, but just hear the music and hear the fans cheering and playing drums and stuff like that. That that's something that I mean, I don't know the the, the Major League Baseball, American baseball doesn't offer is the cheering during the pitch is, is you know, every single player on each team has a dedicated cheering song that happens during the at-bat, not just a walk-up, but, like, an actual cheering song. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, 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 even if you watch the 2015 Premier 12, uh, it's, an, it's one of those... It's basically the World Cup of baseball, and if you watch, like, Chinese Taipei versus Cuba, and you watch, you know, just... Because it was a national team game, it was in it was in Taiwan. the The stadium was packed, and you can you just saw you just watching the fans singing along. Um, and that doesn't happen in the U.S. because I think in I think in NCAA and obviously in a pro sports as well, there's some sort of a rule that you can't play music, right? Or mm-hmm. you yeah, can't yeah. You the can. fan can't be playing music during the game of play. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen here, so you would like the, the, it just keeps on happening. Um, so. It is kind of weird on that front. I kind of miss the fans cheering and singing. At the end of the day, though, it's 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 not like it's not like the stadium was gonna be hundred percent full every single game. So um, I think for the the players are definitely just pleased and just blessed that they have a game to play. Um, but I mean, look at the, the 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 cardboards, the 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 robot drummers. Those those, those are genius. I. I
0: you mentioned only sixty percent full. Is it popular there though? Like, is it a big thing? People talk about it. Is it like a, like in, in the streets of Taiwan um, they're talking about the games or?
1: Uh, so yeah, so uh, I I wouldn't I wouldn't compare the way Taipei or Taiwanese people uh, think of CPPL, the way New Yorkers think about the Yankees or the Mets. I I, I wouldn't say that. Um, I think personally, I am. Impressed and always shocked at how much uh, businesses and and fans in the U.S. invest in sporting events. Um, and uh, uh, it's not like people don't care here. Don't care here. It's a great place to go at night. It's a great place to, to bring your kid to 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 watch. You know, uh, you know the best players in Taiwan to compete. Um, but sixty percent full is. Uh, I think. I don't think that means nobody cares about baseball here. Um, there was also this great gambling scandal about 10 years ago that really ruined the league, and they've been trying to claw crawl back ever since. There, there had been times when the was much worse because of the scandal, because the, some of the teams were performing so badly. So um, I think 60% – I mean, it, it, people care, but not in the way that, like, they, they sleep and they eat and die. They, they live and die by the team. There are a couple of them that do that. But I think that Taiwanese fans here are a little bit more logical mm-hmm. and not so emotionally run by than what you have been, what you have just talked about, about about the New Yorkers and the Yankees.
0: One last thing about it players over there. Uh, did Chiming Wong ever play there? I know Henry Sosa. And any other players that uh, any American fans would know that played in that league or messed around in that league?
1: Um. So the best players. Players in Taiwan, when they come up in, from high school, they normally the, the the most talented, especially pitchers, they get scouted by MLB teams right away. Okay. Um, or Japanese teams right away. So that's why you're seeing some, especially in the bullpen, the CGBL bullpens are really just not. They're they're probably they're going to struggle to 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 keep leads. You know, five runs, six run leads maybe. Um, and you know that that you shouldn't be shocked at that because uh again like i said all the, the the most talented players from high school and college from in taiwan they get they get the mlb will be here to sign it. japanese teams will be here to sign it um so uh a lot of the players to either they they come up from college and they go straight into CBBL, um or they go to the us and they they probably play they probably play Sorry. They probably be playing in the minor leagues for a couple of years, maybe three, or four years, and see how far they can go. And if they can't make it, they come back to the CBBL to play. Um, same with a lot of the foreign players. Um, this year, I think something around the lines of eight out of um, thirteen uh, foreign pitchers all had MLB experience. But um, I mean, they were up there for a year, maybe maybe two. They're mostly in the, in AAA, maybe Double AA. Um, the, the quality of foreign players in CTVL have been right, have been increasing lately because there are like the, like the Rakuten monkeys, the Lamigo, the form, which is the former team of Rakuten, they've been spending a lot of money on them and that allowed them to be better competitively and that forced other teams to keep up. Um, but one interesting thing though, in 2013, uh, the, uh, the Ida Rhinos, which was a former team, of the Fubon Guardians, they. Mm-hmm. they the teams change a lot. Um, in twenty thirteen, they signed Manny Ramirez um, to play here for about, I think, two months, and that was a great like that. That made the that that brought the league to a whole nother level. After Manny left, uh, they brought in Freddie Garcia. Oh wow! Uh, okay, okay. To pitch, yeah. So I mean, those are like the two biggest names you're ever gonna hear. Um, but yeah, it's not like we're gonna go in and get, like, the, the number two prospect from the from Padres to come over because <laughs> that's not possible. But, like, uh, I think uh, I was talking with the CPPL stats, um, and, uh, we, you know, I just got to know him at, around the same time that we were getting to know each other. Um, and he was saying that uh, I think that he thinks that the best foreign players that CPPL teams can get is probably will be people, players in, you know, 26 to 29 Years old and probably lurking in the 40-man roster around the 40-man roster area mm-hmm. is like they're probably getting to a, a, a point where the league. If they're not making the 40-man roster, they're probably never going to make it. So, so they're going to go to Asia and probably compete there. That's probably the best players that CPBL can ever get, um, because you're competing. You're, you're not going to compete with the Yankees. You're not going to compete with Major League Baseball. Uh, yeah. You're you're fairly competing with Japanese baseball, and uh, so uh, yeah, I think. That's that's where the foreign players lie on that front.
0: Where you call me from? Taiwan or Beijing?
1: I mean I'm in Taipei right now.
0: Now let me ask you, you were in Texas when this whole COVID thing happened. How long were you holding right. out and like when did you have to leave? Like when they closed the school, or were you trying were you itching to get home?
1: So it's funny. So when I left Taiwan in January, uh for school, um I thought I was going to be somewhere safe. Because that was when mm-hmm. COVID kind of started in China yes, and yes, we yes. just we just got our first couple of cases, um, so so uh, the 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 Wednesday. So I remember the the, the day that NBA suspended the season was a, was a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And that was the Wednesday before our spring break started was supposed to start, um, and uh, uh, that that day we actually had a show. We had to produce a show, and it ha- the announcement was made about an hour before the show, so we were in shock, um, and then immediately our... That was when um, our school and the, the, I think people that, that I know started paying attention to the, co- to the whole COVID thing. I think I think for I speak of a lot of people. That's when people in the U.S. started thinking, caring about the COVID thing.
0: And then, um, and then how long were you, tra- uh, were you trying to rush right home, or you were getting ready to go home anyway because of spring break?
1: No, be- because uh, they extend the UT extended spring break by a week. So, and then they were they're were saying that the, the additional week they're going to use it to build their online classes, uh, infrastructure. So we were like, okay, maybe they're going to, they're going to kick people out. So I was making, like I was being mentally prepared, but I was still going out to H E B or Target to buy, to buy groceries. And then the next, uh, the following Wednesday, a week later, they, they announced that they're going to ask people from living in residence halls, which I was living in to be, to move out. And I didn't have a place to go because <laughs> I don't have family in Texas. Um, and so that night, so about, 20, about twenty minutes after they made that announcement, we, I mean, we were talking about flying back uh, for days with my with my parents, um, and twenty minutes later, I decided I was going to fly back the next day. Um, so from that point, from that point on, to uh, in the next thirty six hours, I uh, cleared it. I packed everything. I moved everything out of my house and moved it to a friend, uh, my friend's garage. I drove from Austin to Houston, which is three hour drive. Um, and, uh, and when I made it to the airport, I was 36 hours after I bought the ticket. Um, and, uh, and I, I flew out. And then when I got here, uh, on the Friday, this, uh, Taipei time, I had to be in home quarantine for 14 days. That's, that was the law because the U S was starting to fall apart. So we had to I had to stay home for 14 days. Um, I was staying in my room for most of the, most of those times. And uh, I was just watching Netflix all the time. <laughs>
0: Hey, let me ask you. Yeah. Danny, I'm an obsessive traveler. I'm trying to go to every country in the world. I think I'm around 80 countries now. I've unfortunately never been to Taiwan. I heard it is food paradise. Whenever you read best food cities, this, this, and this, you're on the flight home from Houston. You were in Texas the whole time. What food were you craving the most going back home?
1: So I fly in a Taiwanese airline. So that uh, Eva Airlines is the only uh, airline that flies directly from Taipei to Houston. Uh, and they serve breakfast on uh obviously you yeah, probably probably know this Asian airlines normally serve better food than American airlines. A hundred um, times over, yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh uh they were serving uh um uh what's uh they were serving uh what's what is it called? It's basically uh um poji? Is that what it's called? Like basically like wet rice. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's like yeah, yeah. So there was, so was, they were serving those and uh, I just couldn't help it. I, mean, I normally, you know, like, I, like before I moved to the U.S., whenever I get like a choice between like Chinese breakfast or Western breakfast, I go I always go with the, the sausage and the the the, uh, the 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 eggs, right? But ever since I moved to the to, to Austin and whenever I fly back, I I just go with the the Chinese. I mean, I just can't help it. Is it, I, I don't I'm done with the sausages and the eggs and the bacon. So. Um, so that's that starts on the flight. And the, uh Companies breakfast when you come down here and uh if you have a chance uh to, to leave the hotel for breakfast and you ask the the uh the front desk about breakfast outside of the hotel, they're gonna tell you the best they're they're gonna tell you where to go. And you're gonna go there and you're gonna look at what people order. They have the best uh, ham sandwiches, and I, I know it's crazy. Like, I, Taiwanese ham sandwiches are better than the what American ones. And trust me, they are better. They have the best. The omelets, uh, they have the best. Uh, they have they have fried noodles for breakfast. We do. Um, so uh, it's you, you look at the menu. There are hundred things on there, and they cook them in less than ten minutes. And you can grab them. You can you can eat it there. You can go home. The Taiwanese breakfast um, places, rest, It's not a restaurant. Just a breakfast place. Um, with a couple of seats Um, those are the best place to get food before you actually go out and do your stuff what
0: are they doing right in taiwan because you tweeted it i saw it on cnn everything you guys had zero new cases the other day is it people taking it serious people taking the right precautions what is it that taiwan I, i know they said korea you guys are just doing it so right over there you know in asia what are you guys doing so perfectly out there
1: um, so, I'm, have you watched the World War Z, the movie where Brad Pitt becomes a hero and saves the day? Yes. And uh, remember when we went to Israel and Israel built a wall? And he asked the Israeli guy, like, like, what can you help me? Like, how can you help me? And the, the guy just went, you know, I can't help you because, like, it's too late for you to build a wall. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what Taiwan did. Not, you know, metaphorically. Just metaphorically, they built a wall. They uh, uh, We started um, scanning uh passengers from Wuhan uh in early January uh um on the plane like they would they weren't allowed to be in the airport until they were they were scanned and proven to be healthy
0: wow um,
1: wow we were uh we stopped flights from Wuhan i think in, and the details i like you have to go on cnn but we were stopped flights from Wuhan probably in mid January um because okay, um, in 2003, i have probably heard of this. And, and SARS hit Taiwan and hit China really hard. Really bad. What yeah. happened was, what happened was, we were trying to get help from uh, the WHO and and all these uh, international organizations. China was not allowing us to do that, uh, and so we couldn't get a lot of the first-hand information. Uh, uh, thankfully, the U.S. didn't wasn't get wasn't getting hit. Japan wasn't getting hit, so we got help from them. But overall we weren't getting a lot of help from the the communities within the United Nations, which, as you know, is important, to, especially for a global pandemic like this. Um, and obviously, we weren't doing a perfect job back then as well. But I think that was part of the reason, like, we we, we kind of knew that we couldn't trust whatever was coming out of Wuhan, like the, the, of the official news. So we just kind of acted on, on ourselves. We, we were We were stopping flights. We we at I think we, by February we're only flying uh we're only having flights from Taipei to five different Chinese cities. We used to it used to be hundreds. We we limited to five major cities, uh, and every you know people that came that flies back from China needs to be quarantined for quarantine days at home, or or they need to be monitored to uh, uh they need to be monitored you know their health uh, conditions and to be monitored. Um, it's monitored by all the, the, the workers who work for county offices, um, which sounds crazy, I think, in the U.S. I, I, can never, I can never imagine them doing that in the U.S. Um, also, uh, we were giving up masks way before. Wow, really? Uh, okay. A couple of weeks ago. So, we, um, so China was our biggest mask import and same as other countries but they stopped exporting because they needed them. for Wuhan. Mm-hmm. Uh, And so we stopped exporting as well. And, but at that point, we only make, we were only making 4 million masks per day and we have a population of 23 million. And so we, obviously we had a stockpile, but it wasn't like we were kind of giving them out and the, the government came in really quickly to um, um, take control of the production and the, you know, the production of face masks and, um, they were kind of giving them out, using the stockpile, but they knew it wasn't going to be enough. So they somehow they built. They were they were building um, uh, machines to to build these face masks. They were buying parts all over the world to to build those machines. I think today we can make around fifteen million face masks a day. Um, which you know in six you know within a 60 day or 90 day period uh, within 60day period we were we went from 400 uh, 4 million masks a day to about 10 million now we're at 10, 15 million and we get to get we get to buy you know quote unquote buy but really just handing them out because they were so sold, sold, sold so cheaply um we can get nine face masks surgical face masks you know those that the doctors use not just a, uh, mm-hmm. a cloth but a face mask. We can get nine of them for in every 14 days. Um, the, you know, it used to be uh, two or three every week, but they ramped it up. And with the production being increased and the, the, the you know, the hospitals stockpiling uh, enough masks, uh, we can get nine every 14 days, um, which is, I, I personally, I feel that's very impressive. I, I remember... In, even in January, I couldn't buy masks in HEV or Target because they were getting bought out by um, either conspiracists or Asians who are trying to step, uh, mail the masks back. Now, so, now, uh, D- Danny, yeah,
0: are people out there? I don't know if you saw on Twitter and stuff in Kentucky, in North Carolina, in Michigan last night. They're basically protesting, like they're having protests, like facts over fear. We're going back to work. It's are people in Taiwan like okay we trust the government we're not going to protest we're going to listen till they tell us to leave are they taking it way more serious than we are here?
1: Um, I mean I am utterly surprised at how slow the government was, was to reacting in the in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was utterly surprised that it took the NBA yes. to yep. convince most people to take this seriously, and that is the one thing that was I mentioned in my podcast. There's no way that, you know, a sports, a sport league here would do such a thing. But again, we were hit by SARS in 2000, 2003. So we knew we, we, I mean, we were, we were, people were wearing masks already, like in general, like because of a lot of people have allergies and all that as well. But, um, in general, I think people in Taiwan has a better, has, has better habits, uh, in terms of, uh, uh. uh washing hands wearing fat, wearing face masks and all that then versus uh back uh, versus the US and also i mean the US never got hit by this uh, by any pandemic before so uh we we just had to we just had we have much more experience than y'all did um so it was easier for us to pull together there, it was a major controversy for the town's government to ban exports of masks where and when january but it was more of a human humanitarian kind of thing why are we not donating to Wuhan? Rather than um, you're not making us buy our own masks, but because if they if they didn't like regulate the mask, uh, the surgical mask market, it was going to be so expensive nobody could afford them or nobody could find them. But now people like people are basically handed a couple of face masks every single day. Um, so I think I lost track of the question.
0: No, 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 no. Uh, but, you you nailed it perfectly. It seems like the people there. It seems like you were more prepared, and because of the you know the SARS incident, you guys were ready to attack. Like, okay, this is happening. Let's take it serious. But the the uh, one yeah. thing I asked about that. So even the people there, like the citizens out there, they're all taking it serious. They're not out and about, right?
1: Uh, actually, we are we are free to go to work. Uh, we only have three hundred ninety something cases, so uh, they haven't been locking down anything. Uh, we didn't. We don't have to, as of right now. Uh, knock on wood, but uh, yeah, we're free to do whatever we want. Um, a, you know, But you know, obviously, besides, you know, we you want to be social distant. You don't want to be about uh, three to six feet from each other. Uh, um, restaurants are pulling tables away, so there are more space in between tables. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or they're they they're putting stickers on specific tables so people don't you know get too close to each other. Uh, food courts like those in malls—they're um, putting uh, uh, plastic and transparent um, uh, glasses on on on, like to divide each um, chair basically, so one person can be in there. And when they talk, when they do something, when they you know when when they eat, they don't spit onto other people's foods. Um, so we're we're doing stuff like that. We haven't gone to a point where we had to do a total lockdown. Um, because we only, again, our first case was back in January and right now we're at 390 cases. So, um, it's, it hasn't been, you know, it hasn't been in community yet. It hasn't, we haven't been into the phase of community spread. And, uh, today, uh, was the second day in the last three days where we have zero additional confirmation, confirmation cases.
0: Well, I'm, i so, I'm, 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 jealous of that, yeah. bro. I'm jealous of that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 mean, looking, I mean, I, I, before I left, I, I mean, I, again, I went to a grocery shop and all that, and the, the way that people, I mean, I haven't, I mean, obviously, I didn't physically see people grabbing, grabbing all the food and all the, all the, all the supplies, but look, just the, watching the, 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 empty aisles and all that, it may, kind of makes me sad in a little bit, but again, I had a, I had a backup plan. I get to be somewhere I could actually be safe. A lot of people there didn't, so. I, I kind of feel them but at the same time is it's, it's
0: a sad thing to say to see on your awesome podcast which i listened to you did a list and you sent me the youtube clip actually you sent me the youtube thing yeah. of the top 10 moments yeah. of the decade so i disagreed yeah. with a few of them so do you know it off the top of your head because i want to com- finish up with comparing the top 10 lists you ready to roll
1: yeah let's do it all
0: right you, you how about this you give me your top 10 in order from one from 10 to okay. one and i'll put i'll tell you where that was in my order and i'll tell you what on my list sound good so we'll go one and one.
1: Yeah. Okay, so uh, number 10 uh, is the 2016 NBA Finals. Uh, LeBron James blocking Iguodala uh, in the final seconds of game seven. And uh, and then I also included Kyrie Irving, three-point mm-hmm. shot. Am I right? No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm wrong. Number 10 was Evan Longoria's game 162 homer. Uh, I mean, it was against the Yankees, but it kicked, Reds, the, it kicked Boston out of the playoff contest, so I was happy with that. Um, so that was number 10
0: My number 10 uh, my number 10 was the decision I forgot that was 2010 but leBron making the decision to go to miami was a for me that was one of the biggest things and maybe because it happened in 2010 I'm like oh but for me number 10 was the decision
1: yeah yeah I mean, yeah I, 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 I kind of get that i actually I wasn't thinking too much about off the field stuff I was focus, focusing more about on the field on the court thing so um but yeah that, I mean that's a great pick. That, that's a great pick. But for me, number nine, mm-hmm. uh, again, like I said, is the LeBron James block uh, against Iguodala in 2016 when Cavs uh, beat the Warriors. It was the block uh, and then the Kyrie Irving three-point shot over Steph Curry that put them over the top.
0: You know, I had that all the way at number two. I felt that was like a defining moment of maybe LeBron's career. It brings a title back to Cleveland. So I had that one up super high, man. I thought that one was like... One of the defining moments of the whole decade.
1: Well, see, I'm not a super NBA fan. Okay, okay. Um, so that's why, like, if we if we go to our number, I mean, top five is a lot more football and baseball. And I'm, I mean, I lived in Texas. I'm, I am living in Texas, mm-hmm. so uh, that's, I mean, basketball is probably third on, on my list in terms of in terms of my favorite sport. But number eight, I have Tiger Woods, uh, winning the t- 2009 uh, Masters. Uh, when, when the commentator said return to glory and uh, him hugging his son at, after he put after he wins the uh, Masters, I thought that was pretty cool.
0: That was my number one. I felt that change sports that every person you want to. I always define it, Danny, by if I call my mom who doesn't watch sports. So I was calling people who didn't watch sports to be like, put on TV, Tiger's back. So that was actually my number one of the right. decade.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I get it, but also, like, I mean, I was born. I mean, when I was when I was the one of the first uh, memories of Tiger Woods in my mind was the scandal. Okay, <laughs> so okay, very I mean, I fair, very I fair. I wasn't a big golf fan, so I didn't I didn't witness his greatness. Um, so I was like, yeah, I mean, it's cool, and, but I mean, maybe made it the top ten, but it wasn't my number one. My number seven. I mean, I hate myself for picking this. Uh, it was David Ortiz and uh, the Red Sox. Well, David Ortiz for saying that this is our effing city uh, mm-hmm. after the Boston Marathon bombing, and then the Red Sox winning the World Series that year uh, against the Cardinals.
0: I'm just a crybaby, so I didn't have that on my list. Uh, so, but you know what? I'll go to my number. Whatever, my number eight. It was just the Olympics in general. Uh, Usain Bolt, Michael Phelps, like just the Olympics itself. I think Michael Phelps winning all those medals or Bolt winning all those medals, for me, that was my number eight. I I know Olympics is not always the most popular thing, but at the time, that kind of captivated the the country. So that's why I had that on my number eight.
1: I think we're going to have this conversation down the line, but I believe that Usain Bolt is, is more incredible than Michael Phelps. So, um... I think we're gonna have we're probably gonna have this debate later because every American I talk to mm-hmm. they pick Phelps over Usain Bolt. But I, I I mean every every man on 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 Earth can run. Not every man on Earth can swim. So I'm gonna pick Usain Bolt. Uh, oh, my oh, number no, so. six. Mm-hmm. What, what's your number
0: seven? Uh, my number seven was the Auburn kick six slash kind of what yeah. you, kind of what you did with uh with LeBron and Kyrie. I did the Auburn kick six yeah. and also Tua yeah. like coming to of age Tua with the comeback. So the Alabama. Right. High and low of Alabama. That, that was
1: mine. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I have the kick six in my list, too. It. I mean, I didn't witness it, but the way that I saw Auburn fans reacting to it, it means so much, it, so much to them. It means, it, it's one of the greatest moments in college football history, probably in football history, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion. Uh, I, the next one, I think this is number seven or number 6 probably number six. Uh, it's March Madness, North Carolina. They make the shot to tie it, and then seconds later, uh, Villanova makes the three to win, it, and you just, you're just watching Villanova celebrating, and Michael Jordan kind of just kind of like, what yeah. happened
0: there? Um, That was yeah. mine, too. That that was actually my number six, too. I remember I came home from vacation that night, and I um, I parked my car. I was driving home from the airport, and I'm listening to it on the radio. And it was like two minutes left. I'm like, let me just pull over. And it was the most exciting two minutes of all time. So that was my number six also. Okay, so what's your number five?
1: Number five, um, I went international. I, I went to the 2016 Euro I'm a Ronaldo fan in general, so I'm also a Portugal fan. Mm-hmm. I was watching this game in California because I was working at schools. So I was at, uh, I went to UCLA that day, but we stopped by a cheesecake factory just to watch the game. Um, and I saw the uh, Edder, uh Edder kind of just dribbled the ball. Well, first of all, Ronaldo was injured that game, which, mm-hmm. uh, which was a shame. And uh, editor kind of just dribbled the ball during extra time and just knocked one through the through the goalkeeper and scored and. Portugal won their, I think, the first ever Europe Euro's um, championship, which I, I think Euros are harder to win than the World Cup um, because of how deep Europe is mm-hmm. um, versus the World Cup. So I, I thought that was pretty cool.
0: My number six was also soccer, but it was Leicester City winning, winning the Premier League tigle, title. They were 5,000 to 1 to win the title. So yeah. Le- Leicester City yeah. winning it was mine. OK, how about your number five?
1: my number my number i think this is my number 4 cuz i it, it was the iron bowl uh, oh yes, yes. Pick okay six. okay yeah so and I made, I made this one super long because of the i wanted to incorporate the fan reaction into mm-hmm. this so that's my number 4 uh my number 3 is the uh pick 6 malcolm roach oh no malcolm butler i'm sorry malcolm in the Roche super
0: bowl okay him, that made my uh super bowl uh, 49 yeah that made my uh like just missed the top 10 one
1: really but but the super yeah yeah
0: yeah, the super one i had on there in that place was patriots down 28-3 because as a new yorker Mm. we were so excited and i remember being out in a bar (laughs) i I live in manhattan i was in a bar in the village and my girlfriend at the time she was this huge patriots fan so i just loved it i'm like it's 28-3 it's over and then i just watched the comeback so for me that was heartbreaking so i'm like so for me that was number one (laughs) okay okay how about you next
1: Uh, next, uh, number two, Chicago winning, uh, the 2016 World Series, just because of the curse. Yes. I thought that was a cool moment. That was 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 my number three.
0: That was my number three. And then you know what? I'll give you my number four, basically. And then I want to finish up with your number one. My number four was American Pharoah win the Triple Crown. And horse racing is not the biggest thing. Uh, but I don't Mm -hmm. know if you watch down there every time there's a, you know, the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, the Belmont people are watching it. And it was the first time since, I think, 78 that a horse ever won the Triple Crown. So American Pharoah winning it in 2015 was my other huge moment in the decade.
1: Yeah, I I have no idea what's going on in the horse racing. So, um, yeah, but my number one, I think, I can't sum it, sum it up in one sentence. Uh, uh, um, and I think a lot of your fans, a lot, a lot of your listeners will get it too. Um, I think uh, when uh, Mike... Oh, Michael K said, uh, when fantasy becomes reality. Yes. I think that really is home. But it's Derek Jeter uh walk off mm-hmm. hit on his last game at Yankee Stadium. The way Robertson gave up that gave up that lead. <laughs> you know? And, and the way, you know and and, and and I remember Jimmy Fallon uh talking about this when he had Derek Jeter on his show. he was like when Gardner came on with the man on first it was like, don't hit a home run, and obviously, Gardner funded. But, like, if Gardner had hit, like, everything, so many things have to go right for that to happen. Um, and obviously, you know, the fact that Derek Jeter ended his career at Yankees' game with the walk off hit, um, it was pretty incredible. And, and, and also the fact that A Rod did the same thing, and not like not the same way of finishing, but like trying to emulate the same thing the next year, but when like I think he went like one for three, and you know. <laughs> You know, like, I think that was, like, the perfect – it kind of consolidated, like, Barry Jeter's legacy even more. It's like, um, it's so hard to do it, but Jeter did it. And, uh, uh, yeah, that was really cool.
0: and, and, obviously, you know this, but it was such a Jeter-esque base hit. Opposite field, right field. Yeah. Hey, and now, I didn't – well, I don't want to say there's any Texas bias, but I think your 10 honorable mentions were all Texas. Just give me one that was number 11, because I'll tell you, my number 11 was uh, – UMBC beating University of Virginia, a 16 seed beating a one seed. That was my other one that I'm like, that was a huge moment in sports.
1: Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Um, the my three honorable mentions is not just an excuse for me to put my favorite moments in. Um, <laughs> the, the, the 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 Texas moment that you were talking about was Justin Tucker um, taking the 40 yard field goal in the last game between Texas and AM As of right now, Um and left for the SEC. Um, and uh, Texas is left with Oklahoma in the Big 12. Um, and uh, the last game was in College Station, Texas. And Justin Tucker um, probably, um, I mean, yeah, he so he made so he allowed Texas to win the last matchup as um, conference rivals. And and the way the, the way that it ended. Um, I, the, the play before the field goal was uh, Case McCoy, who, just, who was a little brother of Cole McCoy. He, he wasn't that good, though. Um, he I think he scrambled and got, like, 15, 20 yards and, and got the team into field goal territory and uh, left, like, two seconds left on the clock. And by that point, you know, all, all Aggies fans could hope for is either Tucker slipping, which is <laughs> never going to happen, or, or somehow they're, you know them waving their towel was going to distract Tucker um, and that's a great situation as a Longhorn fan to see Aki fans in. I, I actually know um, uh, somebody who, who just graduated from UT. He was at that game and then he was saying the, the stadium got so empty. It was like music to uh, got so, you know, it was silent after the kick. Like it was, there was no sound. And he was like, it was so, it was, it was so great. That was like the silence was the music to in, in his ears. And I think uh, I wasn't there, obviously, but I think that was a great way to basically tell what a Longhorn van thinks
0: of that moment. Finish up with this. If I come to Taiwan, because I'm trying to go to, like I said, every country in the world, I'm just saying there three days. What do I have to do there? Right. What's the best food? And how, how is the scene out there? Good nightlife. I know there's beautiful parks. There's a, was it the Taipei 101 building? Tell me about visiting yeah. Taiwan and why, uh, why people should come out there.
1: Uh, well, first of all, we don't have the virus here. Um, That's the number one reason to come here. But we're not allowing foreigners to come in as of right now, Mm -hmm. unless you have a Taiwanese passport. Um, But uh, um, if you're in Taiwan for three days, it's a different, uh, you know, you got to be in as many um, places around Taiwan as possible. So you probably want to spend one day in Taipei. Mm -hmm. You probably want to at least, you know, spend some time in Taipei 101. If you have, uh, you probably want to get up there. There's a, you know, you can be at the 86th floor and look down. And you can see the whole city. Um, and uh, I'm a history guy. I'm, I'm really big, on, especially on Asian history. Um, and when the KMT uh, fled to Taiwan, so it was a huge Chinese history, civil war, and we kind of lost and we, we came here. We took a lot of the artifacts um, from the Forbidden City. So I mean, if you're a history person, I would go there, you want to learn about Chinese culture. Uh, uh, ironically, you want to be here. Um, and probably your second day, probably want to go to like the middle, the middle part. You can either spend a day or a, a whole day and a night at this place, this place called the Sun Moon Lake, which um, if you Google it, um, is a pretty, is an incredible place. Um, you can bike around the lake, or you can take the boat, and there is a cable car as well that allows you to see the whole, the whole lake, um, <clears throat> or. Uh, um, uh, let me think uh in, in you can go to Taichung, the one of the most famous night markets so I, I the night the night like you were referring to the night market in taiwan is absolutely amazing it's the cheapest and best food you're going to ever going to find you can literally get you you can literally get great food for you know less than a less than 3 dollars mm. uh here in in taiwan um and uh it you can get fed really well you you know Basically, the, the the one thing you want to make you might you want to make sure in, in the night market is to go to places where there are a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that people are like going because people are only going going to good you know places when they when it's good food. So make sure if you if you see a line, you have the time just be in the line and you will you will get good food. Um, yeah, go ahead. Speaking
0: of food, what food do you miss the most from Austin right now? Because now you're home, you're in Taiwan. Oh, what what food? Yes. Now listen, listen. Whenever you fly back down to Texas, what food do you like? I need to eat this right now. What food are you dying for down in in uh, Austin? So so I actually made a list. I think a couple of
1: days ago <laughs> on Twitter. Um, <laughs> let me I'm, let me. I don't know if I can find it, but yeah, it was a, it was a list. So it was like the most basic and most American thing you can imagine. It's like Chick-fil-A spicy meal, <laughs> you know, you know, like it's, is is a, uh, um, I don't know if racing canes made it all the way to New York, but no, no, cane's no. Place you, can get, you can get chicken fingers It like, you know, like, um, fried chicken fingers, one of the probably the best chicken fingers I can, uh, I, you know, have I've ever had, but it's. You know chicken fingers chick-fil-a spicy spicy meal um hdb i don't know if you know like H E B. is basically a texas target yeah 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 H E B. has great roast chicken um and they have great salsa and chips <laughs> um and then uh also it just, just a texas thing the fact that you can i mean when i left it was a dollar sixty for a gallon of gas now it's probably down to one dollar twenty but the fact that I could, you can get gas for that cheap, like, you can't beat that, you know? Because I like to drive and all that. So it's like, you know, it, it's the most basic stuff that you never like. It, it's like this, the chicken sandwich and the waffle fries, you know what I'm saying? And then the Chick fil A sauce. Oh my goodness, you know? But, but Dan, Danny, no barbecue?
0: Yeah. You're not craving any barbecue
1: food? Yes, no, yeah. I was, yeah, I, I just thought, I just found the, the, the tweet. But yeah, is, is Rudy's barbecue one of the one of the uh, main, the, the chain barbecue yeah, uh, yeah, in yeah, Texas. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, a, a Whataburger patty melt combo. Like, are you kidding? Like the fact that, so so my mom came to Texas about uh, four or five months ago, like okay. before the winter break, before Christmas. And I introduced her to the patty melt. And, <laughs> and, 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 uh, and, and she was shocked at the lack of, greens in yeah. the sandwich oh. i'm like that's texas man that's america like why are, like the fries is the vegetable in the meal so yeah the patty <laughs> melt, the patty mel the, the roast chicken lemon pepper uh the lemon pepper ch- roast chicken at hdb oh so good um a rudy's barbecue and bucky's is one of those uh, gas stations that, that has like 100 pumps and there, you know, you know how every gas station has like a store. Like of a course, yeah, store. Yeah, 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 yeah. Their store is as big as like a mini Walmart. You know, it's like huge. <laughs> so, and everything in there is just amazing. like I don't care about I don't care about the, the the cowboy hat. You know, I don't care about the Alamo, just Give me some, give me some Chick Fil A spicy chicken meal, and I will be happy. There's there's nothing here that that compares to the simplicity and the tastefulness of a spicy chicken. From
0: now, listen, we're going to finish up with this. I've been down to Austin. Yeah. I've been down to Texas. The girls down there are top notch. On your Twitter thing, it <laughs> says you suffer from still can't talk to girls syndrome. Are you still nervous yeah. around girls? Are you nervous around girls in Taiwan? Are you nervous around girls in Austin? Are you a shy dude like that?
1: I'll tell you this. The only the, the only three girls in the world that I'm not nervous around is my mom, my sister, and my grandma. See, you're a guy so i can talk to you it's this fine right of course but like well i mean obviously also i can't see you so that probably that would probably make it better so i radio if it's a radio uh you know, like a phone interview i'll be fine with anybody yeah when i see like i'm like i don't know how to act properly around women like, like in really? general, like in public transit i'm like i'm like especially you know like the pretty ones i'm like oh my god like I also, and like, like, when you see, okay, I'm a creepy guy in that way, but, like, I see a pretty girl, I'm like, I mean, inv- am I, like, I'm imagining the wedding, I'm imagining, you know, the kids, <laughs> and then by the end of, like, when I get off, I'm like, and, and then I was like, yeah, it's not that, because you realize all the pretty girls that you, like, all the girls that you deem pretty are, either has a boyfriend, or, um, they, they kind of messed up and they don't have it. Like, they kind of messed up with their ex-boyfriend, so they're either mad or they just never had a boyfriend because they're probably something, you know, in terms of the personality that... So, so like, when I see a pretty, pretty girl, I'm like, there's no way that's going to happen, so I just kind of leave. But also, at the same time, they're envisioning everything that could have happened, you know. But, um, <laughs> but you know... You know, I don't know if you watch The Big Bang Theory. I'm like the Raj in The Big Bang Theory. Well, like I'm just imagining. I, I'm
0: not. I'm not that gay. No, no. I, but, but, yeah. I, I I was gonna say you're you're like a Ted Mosby. Do you ever watch How I Met Your Mother? Ah uh,
1: no, I never got
0: the chance to see it. Ted Mosby. So it's it's actually a good a good show. You should watch it if it's on Netflix. How I Met Your Mother, and it's just like you know a group of three dudes, two girls that like best friends, and this one yeah. guy Ted Mosby. Like every girl he meets, like. After the first drink, he's like, "We should get married. We, we should have kids. I want to have two kids, and their names should be this." And but listen, I'm taken. I have a beautiful, beautiful wife. But when, I, when whenever we link up, whether it's Texas, Taiwan, or somewhere in the world, we'll link up. I'll get permission from her, yeah. and we'll go out one night, and I'll uh, and we'll talk to some girls. All right.
1: <laughs> I mean, you gotta teach me how to how to how to act around those people. I will. You know what? You know what? It just
0: is, like, dude. It's just a confidence thing that. I make it seem like they're doing me a favor. I'll tell you my old line, ready, from New York City. I would go up to these girls and, Danny, they were tens beyond tens, right? And the way – you're a sports guy. The way I would always think about it, like if I go up to 10 girls and nine turn me down, usually 19 out of 20 would turn me down. If one girl says yes, dude, I just hit a home run. Like I won. So I I would go for numbers. And also, like there will be like this gorgeous girl standing at the bar and my game – now this was a few years ago, I was probably your age, but my game would be I'd walk up to them, I'd be like, uh, just a Bud Light and she'd be like, What? I'm like, Listen, obviously you're staring <laughs> obviously you're staring at me. I know you wanna buy me a drink, that's how it rolls And if the girl's like, Get the F out of here I'm like, Okay, she didn't like me but if she giggles, I'm like, Oh, I might have a shot and then I would just go all in, yeah. just keep hitting her up. <laughs>
1: Right. <laughs> uh, we'll set it up. Uh, so, so you're supposed to, you're supposed to just go like, "Hey, I know you're, you're not supposed to buy me a drink, something like that." Yeah, like I, something, something funny, right?
0: I, I would always go up to him. I'd be like, <clears throat> "I'm like, hey, what's up? I'm like, is everything okay?" She'd be like, "What?" I'm like, "You keep staring <laughs> at me. You, you're winking at me." Do you, or I'd be like, "Listen, oh, I'm like, awkward. I'm like, hey, listen, I'm on, I'm on like Tinder. Where are you on the Tinder?" Like, I'd be so overly corny. And if she's like, "Get the <laughs> get the f out of here," i would be like, "Okay." And then yeah. if she's like, yeah. oh my, like if she left, I'm like, oh, maybe she's one tenth interested. And then we'll see. Yeah. When I come out, I'm telling you, we'll link up. We'll do it. But listen, pl- make sure you rock the Yankee <laughs> gear, gear down in uh, Houston. Do not be ashamed. Wear the Yankee gear everywhere. But plug your podcast again, your oh, Twitter, no, and everything. The plug the podcast again. Yeah, this I wear was it a lot of fun, man. Time. Good, good, good.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, um, if I get if I get an audio file of this, I'm going to put this on my podcast too.
0: Yeah, I'll send you the audio file. But now, uh, pl- plug your podcast. Yeah. Where can everyone find it? Where can everyone follow you on Twitter so we can be jealous that you're living the good life down in t- Taiwan while we're uh, where they're protesting here again, of course.
1: <laughs> yeah. So the podcast is called Rants with Danny Shi, and uh, we we talk about all kind of sports stuff that I'm I'm interested in um, because I don't want to talk about stuff that I don't know anything about. Um, so. Uh, so we talk mostly Texas Longhorns related stuff. We never talk about Texas A and M because they don't they don't deserve to be on my podcast. <laughs> other than the fact uh-huh. that they suck. Uh, and uh, we talk about the Yankees. Uh, uh, we we are doing MLB division by division breakdown until they suspended or they they delayed it. Um, so I would love to have you on if if uh, if they start to come uh, if they reopen. I'd be um, I'd be honored, man. And yeah, and uh, we talk about NCAA uh, um, uh, sports and. I also have this side uh, podcast I never got to, but just live rants, just seeing, stuff seeing like during life that I want to rant about. Um, I ranted about the fact that the prof- um, college professors never care about all of the other classes that I'm taking outside <laughs> of his class. Um, and I went on a 20 minute rant. Um, and, uh, uh so yeah, so it's just a lot of stuff that I just kind of want to get out of my chest. Um, and, uh, you can find it on my Twitter account. Um, uh, I don't know if Mike will be putting that on, under the description, but of course um, I will. Of course I will. Yeah, so you can find it from my Twitter from my Twitter profile, and uh, everything is dated. Everything should be easy to go, and uh, it's a great way to see how the how the um, the not so happy Texas fans are doing down there in Austin.
0: And again, it's Rants with Danny. I'm gonna spell your last name: S H I H. It's a picture of you. Yes, and
1: a, it's S-H-I-H with an H, with not a T. Yes, and
0: it's a picture of you with a Yankee hat, Yankee shirt, and I says, I've had it up to here. Danny, this was a blast, yes. bro. I hope you had fun. Thank you for doing Thank this. You. Stay safe out there. And Thank we'll, you. We'll link Thanks up you, soon, Mike. brother.
1: Have a good day, Mike.
0: Be good, my friend.